Welcome to another episode of the Property Nomads podcast. And today we're going international for happy days. And we're going to be talking about the bank on yourself system with Sari Ibrahim. A little bit of background about Sari. He's experienced working as a licensed advisor, helping business owners protect assets from various risks. He was also an independent Medicare broker and consultant where he helped retirees transition from their retirement plans to their individual Medicare plans as well. And over time, he's grown that practice in due course in order to help his clients build a healthier financial future through asset protection. And he also graduated from the Keller Graduate School of Management in Chicago, Illinois, which is where he joins us from today. Uh, Sari, thank you very much for your time. Hey, Rob, thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. So uh, obviously we're going to be talking you know, various bits about you know, real estate and, and other things. And you know, fair to say that some of this advice is going to be applicable to the USA, USA only. But then most of it, to be fair, is it doesn't matter where in the world you're from. You know, if you take this bank on yourself strategy and, and work it in the right way and surround yourself with the right team, you know, the chances of you having success are significantly higher than if you don't take any action at all. Is, is that a fair thing to assume? Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree with that. Great stuff. So I, I suppose before before we start going into the nooks and crannies of the Bank on Yourself project, um, what got you into the field of work in the first place? Uh, any any moment, uh, any sort of light bulb moment, Sari? Yeah, definitely, Rob. Um, this started about five years ago uh, when I was doing my master's degree in business. And I started working with a couple of different insurance companies. I was working at Allstate Insurance, um, mostly in with with like auto insurance, homeowners insurance, commercial insurance, and then kind of made a transition to the healthcare world, where I was working with retirees and, and Medicare and like Medicare supplement plans. And then I started to build a relationship with these clients. Um, and during that time, one of my clients asked me if I could help him with life insurance. And he mentioned some sort of life insurance that had cash value. And he even said that it grows over time and you could earn interest on it. And that was kind of when the light bulb went off. And I was like, what if I could find this product for him, you know, and I could help him, you know, earn interest in this life insurance policy that he could use. Uh, but it's still, I, I didn't know much of what he was referring to. So I decided to do more research and I went to Amazon and I searched for books about life insurance. And I came across this, this one book called The Bank on Yourself Revolution by Pamela Yellen. And the book pretty much talks about this strategy called the bank on yourself strategy. It is the utilization of dividend paying whole life insurance, but it wasn't necessarily about the whole, the life insurance part. It was about how, what you can do with your, while you're, while you're still living, of course, with the cash, the cash value, the cash benefits in the, in the policy and how you can grow it. And the author even goes into great detail to mention how she compares, you know, investing in the stock market, investing in in different traditional conventional investments, like 401ks, IRAs, and, and which are known in the United States, and and pretty much goes to show that you can get further ahead with the on the dividend side, the dividend paying whole life side, and then that's kind of another light bulb went off. The book had a section that said if you'd like to join our program to become an authorized advisor, you could do that. There was like an eight week training program. I went through that program and became a bank on yourself professional and then founded the company financial asset protection and our number one um niche our, our top niche is using the strategy it's using the bank on yourself strategy also called the infinite banking concept to help business owners and real estate investors 
um, grow predictable wealth over time while still having liquidity to be able to use for business deals and, and real estate deals. Fantastic stuff. I lo loving the sound of this as well. And for those that are, are familiar with sort of the previous episode on the Property Nomads podcast, we had James Hadley on uh, a little while ago, a UK-based uh, pensions advisor, and, and off-air, he was talking about a very similar thing here in the UK as well. So this is something that's not just uh, specialised in America. This is stuff that you could probably get in most countries around the world, but you've got to know the right people and sort of figure out how it works. Yeah, yeah, correct. Yeah, you have to have the right type of companies. It has to be number one, it has to be from a mutual insurance company. It can't be from a stock owned insurance company. So mutual insurance companies, they give their dividends and profits back to the customers, back to the policy owners, whereas stock owned insurance companies give their dividends and profits back to the shareholders. So you need to make sure it's from a mutual insurance company. You also need to make sure that this is a whole life because you can't do this with term. Term insurance has no cash value. And then universal is a little bit unpredictable in terms of the fee structure on, on how it's calculated. So you have to make sure it's whole life. And then there's something called um, a paid up additions rider. This is a part of the policy that helps supercharge the cash value. You need to make sure that the policy has the paid up additions rider. So no matter where you're at in the world, if you could find a whole life company that's mutually owned, and has the paid up editions writer, then you could do all of these things that we're, we're going to talk about um, on this podcast. Awesome stuff. So I, I suppose the, the best place to start. So if, if let's just say I'm a complete novice at this. I know nothing about it. I've got a pot of, I don't know, $200,000 or 200,000 pounds or whatever. And, you know, my mm -hmm. money's sat in the bank. It's probably losing out each day because of, you know, the extremity at the moment of the interest rate versus inflation so you know my money's in the bank it's losing money daily i'm not happy with it i want to get my money working for me harder i've heard about some form of life insurance policy what would my next step be yeah your next so what we always do with clients is we do a full thorough 60 to 90 minute financial analysis that's just us getting to know your financial situation getting to know where you're at uh, cash flow, current retirement plans that you have, uh, what you're doing for work. If you also you're a you know a full time employee and a real estate investor, things like that. Things that will help us get a better idea of your financial situation and where you want to go. Of course, like if you're 30 years old and you want to retire at 60, or if you're 50 years old and you want to retire at 60. You know these things matter. Uh, and then from there, we would build out a policy that would show you how it would help you based on your specific situation. If somebody has, for example, 200,000 in a bank account and um, they pretty much wanted that money moving, um, I would ask them kind of what they're, what they're, what, what they intend to do with it. You know, what are they also real estate investors? Then if they are, then in that case, it would probably not be a good idea for them to put that where somewhere that's illiquid, meaning it would be difficult for them to take that money out. Uh, and whole life insurance, of course, is very liquid. You could put $200,000 into a whole life policy uh, with a one-time payment. And then, you know, one, one, one week later or three to five business days later, borrow 90% of that out of it. You know, there's, there's solutions like that you could do. And, and I think that when we get to know the, the client during the financial analysis, it helps us make these informed decisions, you know, instead of just kind of making general recommendations we have to give specific recommendations to specific clients so definitely yeah you could be you'd be able to take two hundred thousand, put it into a whole life policy earn i don't know four to six percent interest plus dividends every year 
in the policy and still have liquidity. And if you wanted to borrow that money, you would borrow that money at 5% simple interest. So what happens then is as you're borrowing that money and using it, you're earning a greater interest rate on the money sitting with the whole life policy. So it, cre it creates this arbitrage. You're earning more on your money while you're using the money. Think about it this way. Let's, let's say you had you know, a, a bank account, a savings account at a bank that was going to pay you 5% compound interest. And I don't think there's any bank in the world that does that, but let's just assume there is. They'll pay you 5% compound interest on your money. And then you wanted to access that money to use for business or for real estate. If you access, you know, any amount, let's say you access access a thousand dollars, you're actually taking out more than a thousand. You're taking out the thousand, right? The principal plus the loss uh -huh. of opportunity costs you could have had had you had that money invested during that entire time because you're going to interrupt the compound growth on that money. But if you borrow from a different source at a lower interest rate, then you can kind of have this split where you're earning five percent, you borrow at two percent and you have a 3% split now on your money. This is kind of, I think what, you know, in where the terms infinite banking come in and bank on yourself is that you're able to grow money while still using it at the same time through the loan provisions of the policy. Uh, that definitely sounds incredibly niche. And I've, I've read a, a similar book um, myself a while ago where this guy sort of figured this out and I think he ended up buying loads of tractor equipment and farm equipment for his, his <laughs> you know, ranch in somewhere in Texas, wherever it was. And yeah, it's, it's one of those, reading through it, I guess that phrase of, I'm just going to coin this phrase, you know, sounds too good to be true. I'm not saying that is the case, don't get me wrong, because you know, I've read into it and, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's as clear as day as far as I'm concerned. But when, when clients come to you, Sally, do, you, do people, when you explain it to them, do people just think, nah, that, that can't be right? Do, do, they, do they have this mentality of, no, I don't, I don't believe what you're saying. That sounds too good to be true. Well, yeah, they do, of course. And then there's ways to kind of break it down and, and take a step backwards. You know, we're, we're not talking about putting in, you know, 100,000 year one and then making 500,000 the second year. You know, it's, it's conservative rates of return. And also there are fees involved, you know, with, with, with the whole life policy, with the company. It's a for-profit organization, you know. So if you were to, for example, um, put in 200,000, you'd be able to borrow up to your cash value would probably probably be about 180,000, maybe a little bit more, maybe like 190 or sorry, 180. And then you'd be able to borrow 90% of that. So the, the difference, people always ask what happened to the Delta if I put in 200,000 and then I have $180,000 in cash value. Well, that $20,000 difference went to service the policy. It went to the underwriting, to the actuaries, to um, the marketing behind that policy and pretty much and some of that goes to us as our commission. That's how we get paid. We don't charge any consulting fees, any service fees, uh, any brokerage fees. We get paid directly from the insurance companies after a policy submitted and paid for. So that's kind of how to justify it. You know, it's it's not too good to be true. There are fees involved. And again, we're not talking about uh, um, astronomical rates of return. We're talking about four to six percent compound conservative rates of return with with the, with the ability to borrow at lower interest rates to still use your money even um, even when you're using the money, you're still earning interest on it. And I think, Rob, this is very important too, because you know we've seen what happened in 2008, right? With the real estate market, how um, the, the, there was a, a market crash, right? And what happened then is banks no longer were, were lending at that time. And then that opened up an opportunity for private money, hard money to increase their interest rates, right? Because supply and demand. And then a lot of market values on the properties dropped too significantly because of the market crash. So then even if you were able to get a loan from somebody, you'd only be able to get, you know, 80% loan to value. 
And then if that value drops and you're the, the amount that you can borrow against drops. So a lot of real estate investors were underwater because their properties were are, are still are till today subject to market volatility. Even though real estate tends to be safer than the stock market, um, it's not 100% safe, right? It's not 100% guaranteed. It's not, you're gonna, there's gonna be, there's gonna be market dips. And sometimes those dips might last for like five or 10 years and might hinder your, your portfolio and your projections. And this is why I think it's important to have an asset in the middle of everything that you're doing that is not subject to market volatility, that's not exposed to external factors that nobody can control, something that grows in value and also guarantees you liquidity too. It guarantees the growth of the policy as well as the ability to access the policy. So you never have to qualify for a loan with the insurance company. You never have to show you know, your credit history, credit score, uh, co-signers, um, co other collateral. The policy itself is self-collateralized. So it's a non-recourse. They don't need anything else but the policy to, in order to give you a loan against it. And of course, this, this helps you grow wealth while also being able to use it. And there's no restrictions on what you could use the money for. You could use it for real estate. You could use it to buy stocks. You could use it for anything you want. Good stuff. I suppose uh, one thing I should uh, point out actually before we continue is, uh, say, if people listen to this from the UK, uh, might be thinking, you know, is, is Sari an independent financial advisor? Is he licensed to give this advice? I, I should have said that at the start. You are licensed to be able to give all of this advice, uh, certainly. So people are, it's not just something you've come across. You've been doing this for a long time and you are fully licensed to give this information out as well. So I should have said that at the start. My apologies. Uh, Sorry, in terms of, um, you just mentioned there about no restrictions on what you can, you know, put this you know, capital investment into. What Your clients, what do they, what, if you're allowed to, what, what, some of the stuff that they, they do put their policies into, what, what's, what sort of things have you seen over your years working with your clients? Yeah, yeah, good question. So I've seen, so it's kind of like um, the bank on yourself strategy or this infinite banking strategy. It's kind of like martial arts. You know, you start off with like a white belt and then you move your way up all the way to like black belt. And it's a mindset shift. It's something that you kind of don't just buy and, and sit back. And, you know, it's something that's kind of, it, it requires more interactive um, learning with how the policy works, how, and then how you are specifically. So if you're a real estate investor, you know, do you do buy and flips? Do you do, um, you know, rental properties? Things like that are essential. And I've seen a lot of clients start off using the policy. They use the cash value in connection with other loans. So they use it with, for example, to, to finance a down payment. This way they get the money in the, in the whole life policy working for them uh, alongside other loans. And then eventually as they're building up, you know, as they're, you know, in martial arts, they're building up their ranks, then they could start completely financing entire properties using their bank on yourself policy, their whole life policy. You know, they essentially become their own mortgage or their own lender where they're completely 100% financing an entire property through their policy. But of course, that's more of an advanced strategy. That's something that happens later on. And another thing too that I really like about this strategy and, and why I'm, I recommend it to almost everybody is because it's not an either or approach. It's not, you know, either I do either this whole life insurance thing or I do real estate or I do stocks. It's something where you can kind of integrate everything together and you want to well, as you're building up the whole life policy and you're building up the cash value, you want to use that money. You want it working for you. Think of like you have a car and you have a garage, right? Every day you leave your garage, your home, and you drive. You go to you have different functions. You go to the store, you go to work, you go to the office, you go wherever, but you're always coming back to the garage. And I think that's the same idea with whole life insurance is that you have the money sitting safely in a garage, 
but then you use it for different purposes at different times. And, and again, you would start off, usually when you start off a whole life policy, you're going to have a lower amount based on proportionally how much you put into the policy. So if you have a few thousand dollars, those that few thousand dollars could be used as a down payment or in connection with a down payment. And then you scale with that. You move up to financing an entire down payment and then financing an entire property. And then you're even lending out your money to other people for them to buy properties. And then you're pretty much a bank. You earn interest from the insurance company and you earn interest from the from your borrowers, from the investors. And a lot of people actually do this. A lot of hard money lenders, private money lenders, angel investors, they use whole life insurance. They borrow from the policies and they also use it as a hedge too, because if something happens to their investment, they're still earning interest on their money. There's no interruption in their money. I'm actually reading this book right now. Uh, it's called uh, Private Money Lending uh, Playbook. And pretty much the author is talking about how to become a private money lender. And he's saying a lot of people, when they start off in private money lending, they want to just go after huge deals. They want to earn, you know, 18% interest, you know, which there are people will pay 18% interest um, on super high risk commercial loans, right? But he says, and then you could do as low as usually six or 7% on the private money side. And he said, it's better to do, you know, 6% every year for, you know, as long as possible than it is to find deals 18% that are three or four months long and then have to wait six months to find a new investor and then do 18% again and then have to wait another six months. It's better to have 7% or 6% consistently, you know? And I think the same idea could be applied here with whole life insurance. It's better to have four to 6% compound every single year and still have the ability to take that money out of there to invest in higher risk areas that, are, that will earn you, you know, 10, 12% on your money, but still you can always go back. Your base is earning you four to six percent and i think that will completely change your your portfolio and completely change the way you look at investing and saving i i would urge anyone that you know if anyone is, wants to play around with a uh, compound interest calculator i would strongly advise that you do that because yeah compounding over a long period of time the yeah some of the numbers are i won't lie they're very exciting to look at so yeah if it's one one thing i've scribbled down here um, sorry, I've literally put it into big letters on my paper, control. This to me screams of control. You are in control yeah. of your destiny, your finance. You're not relying too much on other people. And that that's a big, big push for a lot of people, being in control of their own stuff. It, do, you, do you get that a lot from the people that you work with? Yeah, definitely. Control is a huge thing. You know, other like, you know, for example, self-directed IRAs, IRAs, 401ks, they have very little control. And um, and then when you do access the money, uh, there's penalties involved in a lot of times because they're pre-tax vehicles. Uh, with whole life insurance, it's it's literally just as liquid as walking to your bank and putting money in a checking account or savings account. However, it's there's a few additional obstacles, right? You know, when you have money in a checking account at a bank, you would walk into the bank and then just put in a withdrawal form and take money out. If you have cash in a whole life policy, you have to fill out a form email it to the insurance company and then three to five days later they'll send you up to 90 percent of your available cash value as much as you want up to 90 percent of your available cash value and they ask you which bank you want to send to and then they wire transfer into that bank now what happens is is that this is liquidity of course right you can take money out in three to five business days but it's not too liquid it's not as fast as a checking account or savings account and i think that's a good thing because one of the reasons why a lot of people are having a hard time nowadays saving is because their money is too liquid. It's too fast. You know, they have, you know, their apps, their mobile apps on their phones, um, debit cards, credit cards, you know, quick pay, Zelle, all these 
fast, quick payments that allows them to spend faster. So if you can kind of have your money sitting somewhere that has a few obstacles to get to, it's going to, I think, make you think more about what you do with that money because you're going through more steps, more speed bumps to get to that money. And then in exchange, you're going to become a better, um, a better saver. So that's another strategy I really like about this is that there is control, but it's not too liquid. It's not as, as liquid as a checking account or savings account in the sense that you can get it in, in minutes, but um, you can in three to five business days. And I think that's super important, especially for younger people, especially for people who kind of never really built a habit for savings. You know, I, I keep forgetting where this article I, I, I read this it was like 60% of Americans don't even have a thousand dollars in a bank account, you know, and it's not an income issue. It's a spending issue. We spend too much money quickly, you know, so I think you need to figure out a way to put money, especially as an entrepreneur as well as a real estate investor, entrepreneur, you need to figure out a way to like lock up your money, but still have it liquid when needed. That's incredible stat. I mean, that's 60% of what America's population, what 325 million or so. I mean, that is, <laughs> that's an extraordinary amount that don't even have a thousand dollars just sat there in, in some, wow, that's just blown my mind. To be perfectly honest with you, that, that's yeah. that's incredible. I, I don't even know what the stats will be in for for the UK. Uh, love love what you yeah. say there about a spending issue. That things are very, I guess, with society nowadays, it's you know I suppose that's why a lot of people love Amazon and stuff. You you know, click your finger, it's there. Happy days. Whereas what you're saying with this is it's liquid, but it's not too liquid. So yeah. you know, use that as a positive basically rather than you know a negative, which is good. Um, so in terms of designing people's portfolios, so again, I'll go back to the beginning. I don't know a lot. Just to say I don't know a lot about this. You know, I've come to you for, you know, a financial health check, basically. In order to help you and help your time, basically what you're saying to me as a customer is I, I'm, I've got to really have some idea of my goals and objective, otherwise it might just turn into a very fruitless, generic conversation. So... Mm. Is it fair to say that you would suggest to client, you know, existing clients, new clients, that in order to get the best out of any financial review, that they, they've got to have an idea of where they are now and where they want to be? Is that fair? Yeah, yeah definitely. And, it, and also during the financial analysis, it's, it's kind of our job to, um, to get the client to elaborate. Most about, you know, maybe 80% of the financial analysis calls I've done, clients respond with, hmm, nobody's ever asked me that before. You know, and again, because we're not asking questions that you hear every day, you know, we're asking, for example, you know, when do you want to retire and what does that look like to you? What does the word retirement look like to you? Mm. For a lot of people, a lot of people kind of just skim right past that throughout life, you know, they never really stop and zoom in and you know, what is retirement? For some people, it just means quitting their day job, but still keeping all the real estate, still keeping side businesses and still like working. They're just not working for somebody else. For, that's retirement. For other people, it's traveling the world and no longer working again, you know, and, and it's kind of, an, it's an opinion-based question, right? It's based off of other people's opinion. It's not a, a fact, retirement. It's, it's, it's something that people have different definitions for. And that's just one example. We have like 40 other questions on the the analysis that are like that, you know, what's your opinion? You know, if you were to hear the word, you know, six financial successful, what does that mean to you? And then we kind of gauge what the client is, is thinking what their, uh, what they mean by these things, you know, so for somebody to say, I want a lot of money, it could be having $50,000 for somebody else. It could be $50 million. These questions and getting the client to, to elaborate and think in these ways helps us number one, understand the client. And then number two, be able to build out a solution that's going to, 
be in line with their goals and their objectives. Yeah, I love that. I've just scribbled down perspective. I think that's, as you've just pointed out there, that a very important piece of information. Uh, you know, having uh, read a few books on inheritance, I mean, yeah, but don't know what the similar would be in um, in the US, but in the UK, you know, inheritance tax is like, of all taxes, that is like the most evil tax um, <laughs> possible. But if you plan for it properly and you're speaking to the right people uh, and you've got the right perspective of it, then there are ways to, um, what's the right word? Um, legally mitigate um, the, the tax itself, which is very, very useful. In terms of you know, ratios, um, people out there will say, oh, you know, allocate 10% of your portfolio to gold or, you know, allocate X mm-hmm. amount to this or yeah. X amount to that. Do you have a, a a generic sort of ratio there? Or again, is it more about what does the customer want? What does the client want? How do they see things? And let's tailor the package to to meet their desires and their needs. Yeah, definitely. So you're right. It's the second one. It's it's more about building it to their needs. It, and then it kind of connects with what, what was mentioned earlier about it being almost like martial arts, or like a sport. You're kind of you're getting good at it. Um, so for some clients, they might start off saying, you know, I only want to allocate 5% of my net worth or 5% of my income towards uh, building up the policy, either on an annual basis or through lump sum premiums, like a one-time payments. Um, and then pretty much what happens is they start to get better at it. They understand how the policy loans work. They see their money growing in the policy. They see the liquidity. They've tested it out. They bought real estate with it. They you know, put the money back in either from rental income or from flipping their property or from refinancing or pretty much they have this their own cycle going on now. And then, and then they might come back and say, all right, let's do another policy. We do six month reviews with every client and then they'll do another policy and then a third and then a fourth. And eventually it starts off being a higher percentage. Initially they said they wanted to do 5% of their net worth and then it starts to increase. Because, because number one, it's not an either or approach. It's not either they do whole life insurance or they do real estate. It's kind of, they could do both. And then second, um, this is an interesting thing too, is the cash value and the death benefit, both in a life insurance policy, count towards your net worth. So if you could increase the cash value and the life insurance amounts in your policy at the same time, then that would be increasing your net worth. Instead of saying, I'm going to spend $100,000 on life insurance. I'm going to move $100,000 from my checking account to my whole life policy, instantly having you know $90,000 in cash value. And then on a life insurance amount, depending on the age of maybe $600,000, $600, I've kind of now shifted my you know just $100,000 in a checking account cash to do two different places now. $90,000 in cash value, that's going to earn 4 to 6% compound interest every year. And a life insurance amount of 600,000. If something were to happen to me, my family would get $600,000. And then that's gonna grow as well every year. So now we're kind of shifting where the money sits. And then this ties in with another interesting thing. It's asset protection. And what I mean by that is protecting your your cash, your properties, your pretty much all your, your important assets from creditors and predators, people trying to sue you and litigators and, and pretty much well, uh, in most U.S. states, the cash that sits in a whole life policy is protected from that. It's protected from creditors and predators. And I'm not an attorney, but consult with an attorney before you do this. And that you'll find out that the cash that sits in a whole life policy is protected. It's not public record. It's not public information. People can't research how much you have in, in cash value in a whole life policy. And then that also means that because it, it's a measurement of your net worth, you could you could control who you want to see it. 
you know, you could be rich on paper while also hiding that. You know, a lot of, for example, if a bank asks you, how are you going to put $50,000 on a property as a down payment? You could show them that you you have a whole life policy, you know, with a million dollars in cash value in it or whatever the cash value is. And you're planning on taking a, a loan from that. And the bank isn't going to say, well, you're borrowing money for a down payment. They're going to just look at that as if you're withdrawing money from another account. That's your cash. And pretty much this way you can control and see who, how rich you are based on who you want to see your money. It's not like um, you have to pick one or the other. Either you hide all your assets and look poor on paper or you complete you know completely expose everything just so you can get funding and different things like that you could you can control who sees it and this is a very important thing when it comes to um growing a real estate you know empire as you have to think about these things because a lot of real estate investors are exposed to a lot of risks arguably probably the highest risk you know 90 percent of real estate investors are sued at least one time in their careers um so i think that the asset protection piece alongside the either or argument super super important for a lot of people to understand and again we might start off doing you know five percent net worth and then that number would grow um throughout the years as they're getting used to using whole life insurance for their real estate needs or business needs Mm, good times and i would say for you know those more fay with how things are in the uk i suppose your equivalent here these are going to be you know policies of course very similar Uh, we're going to be talking sasses and sips you know, this is sort of the UK transatlantic equivalent, so to speak, mm-hmm. of, of of what you've just spoken about there, Sari. Uh, a couple of things I, I noted down as well. I, I love there that with, with with this life policy. Now, if you're in I don't know, the middle of Nebraska or, or wherever, uh, as you say, mm-hmm. you can um, you know, there's almost like an element of secrecy. Those are the words I've written down. There's almost like an element of secrecy of it's not public record. People can't see it. You know mm-hmm. what you've got, but someone else might not know. I suppose that would give people depending on people's perspectives of, of cash, money, currency, etc., that would give people quite a bit of confidence, wouldn't it? You know, if they've got six, seven, eight million dollars or whatever, just sat there, not everyone knows that they've got that, but they, they would know. Uh, do, do you find that amongst your clients, uh, that they like that aspect of secrecy? Yeah, definitely. It's the aspect of secrecy, but at the same time, if they need to ever prove their net worth or they need to prove where they got the money from, it's just as legitimate as using, you know, a bank account. Uh, so it's kind of, it's cool because it's secret, but at the same time, if somebody need, if you you need to prove it to somebody you could easily do so and it's not like you know um when people see in life insurance documents with cash value they're kind of like you know what is this they under a lot of bankers underwriters financial professionals they understand that they understand that a lot of wealthy people not even wealthy people but, but a lot of people put money into life insurance as a form of banking or as a form of self-banking even even the, the top you know one percent families in the United States, the Rockefellers, the Trumps, you know, the richest, the billionaires of the fa- of the United States and other places in the world, I would imagine, um, have been using whole life insurance generations at a time, you know, passing off you know billions of dollars in, in death benefits to the to the next generations uh, tax free, and then they have you know it's like family. It's also called family banking or circle of wealth. You know they're passing on generations of wealth without any government intervention and without any banks, without Wall Street, without anybody interfering with the family's wealth. You know billions of dollars from one generation to the next generation. And I think that you don't need billions of dollars to apply these strategies, but you know if just look what look at what they're doing. You know 
another interesting too is i think too is that banks use whole life insurance you know in their in their banking purposes you know they have billions of dollars in whole life insurance they borrow from that they lend it out you know just like how we mentioned about hard money lenders and private money lenders they lend it out to other people via credit cards lines of credit they earn interest from the public from their customers and they earn interest from the whole life company so their money is doing two things for them at the same time again you know it's 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 having multiple functions for your money with the additional benefits the asset protection the compound growth the tax benefits you know all these things are wrapped into all, all together absolutely and success leaves clues at the end of the day and as you said the rockefellers doing it trumps are doing it etc you know it's been around for you know these uh, mechanics or you know, mechanisms have been around for you know decades probably centuries one way right, yeah. or another so you know if they're doing it you know we can do it and it's just about getting that knowledge and getting the right team around you to make sure that you can facilitate that happening mm-hmm. exactly wonderful stuff uh, I, I guess many other question actually sorry because sort of researched the, the book that I read that sounded similar to yours. So I wanted to go back to the, the book you recommended at the start. Did you say that was called The Bank on Yourself Strategy? Is that correct? Uh, it's called The Bank on Yourself Revolution by Pamela Yellen. How'd you spell that? Um, bank? So the, the author. Oh, uh, Pamela. And then the last name is Yellen. Y-E-L-L-E-N, like Nancy. Yeah, perfect. Uh, bank on Yourself Perfect. Yeah. The only reason I said that is uh, the one that I've read. I don't know if this is something you've read at all, but again, we'll put links to both of these in the show notes. Uh, one that I've read was Becoming Your Own Banker, uh, The Infinite Banking Concept, and that was by a guy called R. Nelson Nash. Uh, that's a very good ebook as well. So probably going over the same things. Uh, we'll put The Bank of Yourself Revolution by Pamela Yellen in the show notes as well. I, I would strongly urge people take some time have a read of these because they will probably blow your mind and realize that you know again success leaves clues there are loads of things that wealthy people are doing and you don't have to have wealth to get wealthier you can always you know as you said sorry you can start from the bottom rung and you just bit by bit by bit by bit but it's about getting the right team the right people around you to help you achieve what you set out to achieve Exactly. I like to compare it to like, um, like working out, you know, you don't need to, to be in shape to go to a gym. You don't need to be fit to go to a gym. You go to a gym to become fit, you know, uh, mm. same thing with the strategy. You don't need to be wealthy to do this. You do the strategy to become wealthy. Love the compar- love the comparison. There. I think that's very poignant. Uh, that's probably a great place to leave that. Uh, we could probably talk for hours and hours and hours uh, about the, <laughs> the nooks and crannies of this. Uh, but Sari, if people wanted to get hold of you uh, to find out more information or to possibly book in, uh, uh, I say yeah. a survey, it's the first word that comes to my head, but if they want to book in um, a financial health check, sorry, with yourself, how do people get hold of you? Yeah, so they can go to um, our website. It's finassetprotection.com. It's F-I-N, asset protection.com and then there's a link you can schedule a free appointment and we could do it over zoom or over the phone um pretty much all our appointments are virtual uh, and then you can yeah just go to the finassetprotection.com and then schedule an appointment and I'll, and I'll reach out to you guys and also um if you reach out and you say you came from rob's podcast i will send you a free copy 
of the uh, Bank on Yourself Revolution book or Becoming Your Own Banker by Nelson Nash. I'll send you either one of those via Kindle for free. Awesome stuff. That sounds great. As, as I say, I urge people to get out there, uh, get in contact with Sari, start exploring this. I've read a lot myself and absolutely, you know, this is ingenious. It's just the word I would use. But, uh, Sari, thank you very much for your time today. Thank you, Rob. Thank you so much for having me on.